Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible and need to use one that's in the pew and you don't know how to navigate that, that's on page 161, I believe. Uh, yes, 161 in the pew Bible. Um, as you're turning there, a couple of quick things. Uh, one is a matter of membership. Kevin Wilson has completed the membership process and the elders are recommending him for membership. Kevin, will you just wave so people can see who you are? Kevin there, we praise the Lord for bringing Kevin our way. And uh, next week we will uh, vote as a congregation to receive him. So if you have any questions about that or anything, uh, please see one of the elders. Uh, the other thing, if you're a member of Gray Road, in your box this morning should have been ballots for our deacons for next year. So uh, we need those by December 18th, I believe. Is that right? Yes, thank you. Debbie, when you retire, I'm not, it's going to take me a while to not look at you when I have to confirm something. Um, so if you could just keep knowing all that stuff, that'd be great. All right. Um, and I also just wanted to uh, just mention a, a an announcement that's in the bulletin, which is that uh, Susan and I are having our open house. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, uh, December 16th and 17th. You'll see uh, time slots, and if your last name begins with whatever, come at that time. That is not just for members. That is for whoever wants to come. Uh, we would love to have all of you come through uh, over those two days. And if the time slot that's in there doesn't work for you, just come to one of the other ones. That's fine. Um, but uh, it really is our joy to, to be able to see and celebrate with all of you uh, at this time of year. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 18, and we are going to read verses 15 to 22. This is what the Spirit says. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are your people coming to your word, and we pray, Lord, that you will speak today through your word, by your spirit, that you will teach us full obedience and holy reverence and true humility that you will speak so that your church is built. We pray, God, that through your word today, we would see and find joy in 
the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Um, During this season of the year, we remember the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Um, We don't do it because Jesus was born on December 25th, because most likely he was not. But it is a good thing to set aside time and intentionality to remember that the God of the universe stepped into his universe into space and time, that he became incarnate, he took on flesh in order to save his people, to save the world that he made. But the thing is, is that the arrival of Jesus doesn't just come out of nowhere. It wasn't like a backup plan that God was holding on to in case this whole humanity thing didn't work out. No, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ was God's purpose from the beginning. Even before sin entered the picture, it was God's purpose that Jesus would enter the picture and that he would save his people. And throughout the Old Testament, we'd find hints and clues of that plan, uh, all pointing to Jesus. Paul tells Timothy as much when he writes to him in 2 Timothy 3, from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The sacred writings there are primarily what we call the Old Testament. The whole of the Old Testament points to Jesus. And once we really understand that and we wrap our minds around that, uh, the Old Testament looks different to us. It reads differently We have a fuller understanding of what God is doing when we see that it's not just sitting there in history, it's going somewhere to someone. It's a bit like the movie Field of Dreams, a baseball classic. Ray Kinsella is an Iowa farmer, and one day Ray hears a whispered voice saying, if you build it. He will come. And church growth folks have been latched onto that kind of thing for since, since forever, right? You know, if you build it, they'll come. But in this movie, if you build it, he will come. And so Ray rips out part of his crops in order to build a baseball field. And then once the field is complete, these players from, from generations gone by start emerging from the corn to play baseball on this field. But nostalgia for baseball days gone by isn't actually the point of the movie. The point of the movie doesn't, you don't even know what the point of the movie is. You may have missed the point of the movie and you've seen the whole movie. But the point of the whole movie actually comes at the end. One of the players that Ray's been talking to all this time says that first whispered, those first whispered words again, if you build it, he will come. And he kind of gives a nod of his head. And Ray looks over, and there he sees his father. You see, as a teenager, Ray's relationship with his father was estranged. Ray's life was going in a different direction than baseball, and 
And as a teenager, he even refused, he stopped, he stopped being willing to play catch with his dad. And when his dad died, their relationship was still broken. And so at the end of this movie, what we find out is this whole thing, all of the whispered words, all of the adventurous tasks, all of the sacrifice, all of it has been for this one thing, to restore Ray's relationship with his father. And the movie ends with them playing catch on the baseball field. Now, once you see that, and once you understand it, you will never watch that movie the same way again. Now, some of you haven't seen it, but it's 33 years old, so I don't feel bad for spoiling it, all right? I'm just telling you. But then, when you, if you go back and watch that movie, what you will notice is if you have restoring the relationship with the Father in mind, all of the little details, you see it going in that direction. You can see it. You start to put the pieces together in a way you couldn't see it until you knew the end. And friends, that's how the Bible is put together. Once you see that the main point of the Bible is Jesus and the salvation that He brings, restoring mankind to our Heavenly Father, once you see that, you cannot read the Old Testament the same way again. In fact, the Old Testament story becomes incomplete without Jesus. It's a cliffhanger where they never make the next movie. And so as you go through the Old Testament, what you find is there are a variety of ways, little clues that God gives about the coming, the promised Savior. I'm just going to list a few. The Old Testament brings us to Jesus through direct promises. Promises like, and the virgin shall give birth and you shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Or the promise of the suffering servant that through his stripes we are healed. But then there are also practices, religious practices, this whole sacrificial system all of that, all of the religious practices point us to Jesus. And then there are places, places like the tabernacle, the temple, because Jesus is the greater temple. Jesus is the tab He came and tabernacled with us, but also through persons like King David. This whole business, if you've heard this kind of language, that there are types of Christ in the Old Testament, and persons are some of those types that point to Jesus. And the, uh, the last one that I'll mention is going to be our focus this month, and that is on positions. There were positions in the nation of Israel that are now often called offices in the nation of Israel, and all of them point to the Lord Jesus. Those three are prophet priest, and king. And as we read that in the Old Testament, we're meant to have our minds move forward to Jesus Christ in the New Testament. He is the prophet. He is the priest. He is the king. And we're going to think about each one of those for the next few weeks. 
beginning today by looking at this text here and thinking about Jesus as the coming prophet. So the first thing I want you to see is the promise, okay? There is a promise here of a prophet. Now, briefly, Deuteronomy as a whole is basically a series of three sermons that that Moses preaches to the people as he's preparing them to enter the promised land. In these sermons, he reminds them of who God is and what God has done and what God expects of them uh, once they get to the promised land. um, And this little paragraph in Deuteronomy 18 that I read, uh, it gives a promise of a prophet. And and that promise of a prophet reminds them that once they get to the promised land, they're still going to need God's words. They're still going to need God revealed to them, God speaking to them, to know God's will, to hear God's voice. You see, the prophet's calling, in essence, is revelation, to reveal God, to reveal His will. It's like when, I mean, when I was in high school, if you got to, if you had the luxury of of working as an office helper, you know, so you weren't bored to death in your study hall or whatever. Who studies in study hall? Nobody. All right, but if you got to be an officer, what happened? Well, the people in charge give you a message and say, go to room so-and-so and tell the people, tell, tell the teacher there that student X needs to come because they're getting checked out early. So they receive the message. They go to where they're supposed to go. They say the message. That's essentially what a prophet is supposed to do. He doesn't come up with things on his own, you see. He's told things by God, and then he speaks things. And I want you to see the context in which this promise comes by looking at the paragraph just before. Okay, we're going to start reading in verse 9. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. You see how that word comes right back? All the other nations are listening to these other folks but not you. You see, the nations around them knew that they needed supernatural input as well. They wanted input from the supernatural realm, from the divine realm. But they look for it in a way that is abominable, that is detestable, that turns God's stomach. They try to get messages from the dead. They use spells and sorcery to try to tap into the spiritual world. They interpret omens, which was essentially uh, uh, you just laid out the intestines of a lamb And you looked at them and tried to read in them the future. And all of these things are detestable to God. I mean, you may think intestines of a lamb. That's detestable enough. But I mean, the whole series of practices was detestable to him. But you see, they're right to look for supernatural help and supernatural input and supernatural words. But they are wrong in going anywhere but to the living God himself. They're listening to the wrong voices. 
And it's against that backdrop that God promises a prophet because he's not going to speak through spells and omens and Ouija boards and tingles down your spine. He's going to speak words, words through his chosen prophet. It is through, it is the prophet who will receive God's words. It is this promise that that he will faithfully pass them on. And and this this office is meant to teach God's words. It's It's meant to use God's words to correct, to use God's words to admonish, to use God's words to warn, to urge faithfulness, call people to repentance, to speak words of both judgment and salvation. This is the promise of God. He will not stop talking to them. He will not stop guiding them by his words. You see, they can't actually handle God speaking to them directly. Uh, Look at verse 16. Why, why is it that we need a prophet? Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. They were overwhelmed by hearing the voice of God directly. Isn't it interesting that people walk around talking about how God has spoken to them directly, as if now he is a much different God than he was on Mount Sinai, thundering and lightning. And so God accommodates their weakness, and he will send a prophet. Moses is currently that prophet, but Moses won't be there forever. And so God gives these people a promise that he will keep revealing himself and his will to them through the prophet. That's the promise, all right? And then the second thing I want us to think about is actually the prophets, plural, Okay. So as we go on in the Old Testament, if you know the Old Testament at all, you know there's a whole series of prophets. Many of the books of the Old Testament bear their names, right? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and so on, right? But then there are others. Some are unnamed, some are named. But God continues speaking God gives his word to his prophet, and they go and speak to the king or speak to the people. But God's prophets aren't the only ones speaking. There are other prophets, false prophets, men who say that they speak on behalf of God, but they actually don't. They bring their own message and not God's, and God doesn't take this lightly. Now, I happened to look this up this week. Uh, But in the state of Indiana, if you are convicted of impersonating a police officer, uh, you could get up to two. Now, I may be wrong, so if this is wrong, don't yell it out now. Just tell me later. Uh, You can get up to two and a half years in prison and up to $10,000 fine for such an action. Now, that seems pretty steep, doesn't it? Well, you know what you get if you impersonate a prophet? Listen to verse 20. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. God takes his prophets and the communication of his word very 
seriously. It's actually a problem throughout the Bible, isn't it? There are false teachers and false prophets from beginning to end. And that, quite honestly, should be a warning to any of us who would dare to sit or stand in front of other people and say, this is what God says. Let me tell you what God says about this. To take on the role of speaking for the Lord is a matter of fear and trembling. And it's actually a matter where we need great discernment as we listen. We need to know who's who, and that's why uh, God tells them how to know who's who. Uh, You know, they ask the question, he poses the question, you know, hypothetically in verse 21, well, how are we supposed to know? And then verse 22, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. In essence, it's a truth test, isn't it? Did the prediction come true? Did what they say really happen? And even though we don't have this kind of predictive ministry going on, I mean, some people are, you know, predictive ministries, and it's very easy. Oh, Jesus will return then? Nope, didn't happen. Jesus returned now? Nope, didn't happen. Jesus returned now? Nope, didn't happen. At some point, you have to stop looking at the calendar when folks like that keep pointing you to another date that you need to identify as the day that Jesus will return. But in general, anyone who stands up, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to give it the truth test. We're supposed to be like the Jews who were in Berea in Acts 17, that that when the apostle Paul spoke, they went away and examined the scriptures to make sure it was true. Friends, you can't assume that because someone begins their statement with, God says, that God actually said it. You cannot assume that. Do not assume that of me. Read your Bibles. Study your Bibles. Give everything the truth test. We have to measure everything by that unchanging truth. So God promises, the promise is given of a prophet to be sent by God, to speak for God, to reveal God, to reveal God's will. And this whole line of prophets, plural, is a kind of partial fulfillment of that, pro- uh, of that promise. But the full fulfillment comes in only one prophet, and that is Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the prophet. So let's think about that. This one that we celebrate, this baby born in Bethlehem and wrapped in swaddling cloths, Jesus is the prophet that was promised in Deuteronomy 18. He's the one that it went to. We're not waiting for another prophet. You see, actually, that's the problem with any system of religious thought that says, after Jesus, we need more prophets. That's absolutely false. 
It's interesting because God himself identifies. Look, look, look at uh, verse 15 in Deuteronomy 18, right? Uh, uh, Moses says that God's going to send you a prophet like me from among your brothers. And, and then he says, it is to him you shall listen, right? Now, fast forward. Jesus is with Peter and James and John on a mountain. And Jesus reveals his glory to them. And a voice comes from heaven and says in Mark 9, 7, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Isn't that interesting? Moses said, it is to him you shall listen. And then the father says, listen to him. You see, Jesus is the one who reveals God to us. He reveals God to us fully and finally. In John 1, John writes, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Speaking of Jesus, Hebrews chapter 1, long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. Jesus is the prophet. His words reveal God. His character reveals God. Jesus reveals God in a way that no other prophet could. He says to Philip in John 14, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. You don't get any clearer revelation than that. When he feeds the 5,000, do you remember what the crowds say about him? John 6, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. In Acts 3, the apostle Peter quotes from Deuteronomy 18 as he is preaching, and then he basically says, every prophet up to Jesus was leading to Jesus, the prophet. He's the one that we've been looking for. It's fantastic. You don't have to wonder if there's any other voice that you need to listen to, any other prophet that we're waiting for. Well, who's, who's going to take this great preacher's place? And who's going to take that great preacher's place? And God in his own providence raises up men in various places at various times to have very influential ministries. But the voice that we need to hear, whether we know their name or whether they're just nobodies who are speaking for the Lord by opening his word, what we need is actually to hear the voice of Jesus. That's the voice that we're listening for. It's his voice. There's no preacher clever enough to do better than Jesus did. The best any man can do when he stands to preach is to say what the Bible says. That's why all the threats about not adding to it are taking from it. Now, Jesus' work as a prophet is more glorious and is greater than every other prophet. And I'm going to mention four ways that it's greater, all right? The first is that Jesus' work as a prophet began before he was born. <laughs> now, you say, wait a second, how does that happen? Because don't you need to be able to speak or something? I mean, don't you need to be born to start functioning as a prophet? Well, not Jesus. 
You see, Jesus didn't come into existence when He was conceived in the womb of, of Mary. He existed for all eternity. And in fact, He was working and revealing God in the Old Testament before He was ever born. A whole no, several passages where the angel of the Lord appears. These are things that, these are, there are places where this has to be more than just an angel. Because this, this angel is, is doing things that angels would never do. If you just, just jot down Joshua chapter 5, verses 14 to 15, it's not going to be up on the screen. But here, what we have is the appearance of one called the commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua falls down at his feet and worships. And every other time that happens in the Bible, the angel is saying, no, 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 get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Not this one. This angelic commander of the Lord's army does not stop him and in fact goes even further and says, Joshua, take off the sandals from your feet because the place where you're standing is holy ground. No angel would dare put the Lord's words in their own mouth like that. The angel of the Lord identifies himself as God in a couple of different passages, performs miracles, makes predictive prophecies. But there's another way that, that Jesus' prophetic work was happening before he was born, and that is that he was actually working through the prophets themselves. Listen to 1 Peter 1. The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. <laughs> Think about this. In other words, as Isaiah is writing, as Jeremiah is writing, as Ezekiel is writing, and on and on, we know because we've studied this, they are inspired by the Holy Spirit. But Peter puts a fine point on it and says, the Spirit of Christ was at work in them. Now look at, just look at the grammar. The very first is the prophets, plural, who prophesied, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he, not they, he predicted. In other words, the Spirit of Christ was predicting Christ. Christ was predicting himself. He was saying, fellas, I'm coming. And this is what it's going to look like. So when he shows up, he knows what's coming to him when he comes to us. And as he's walking around, he tells his disciples multiple times, I'm going to be handed over and I'm going to be tortured and I'm going to be killed. But on the third day, I'll rise again. And then his prophecy of himself comes true over and over and over again in his birth, in his life. Judas hands him over, and he's beaten, and he's mocked, and he's killed. The Spirit of Christ is at work. The second way that Jesus goes beyond prophets is that Jesus' work as prophet had supreme authority. He had greater authority than any other prophet. 
You see, all the other prophets have authority because God gives it to them to speak. But if you read the Gospels carefully, you will never find this phrase that you find often in the the prophets, which is, the word of the Lord came to. You see, the prophets have nothing to say if the word of the Lord doesn't come to them. But Jesus never stands up and says, thus says the Lord. He says, truly, truly, I say to you. No prophet dares do that. That is presumptuous. But Jesus' work as prophet goes beyond that. Other prophets are given authority to speak by God. Jesus simply has authority to speak because he is God. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds can tell a difference. They see it. In Matthew 7, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The third thing is that Jesus' work as a prophet continues after his death and resurrection. (laughs) Look, every pastor, every deacon, every Sunday school teacher, every anybody who stands to teach somebody else, we all have an expiration date on our ministry. There will be a date that is written when our ministry comes to a close. It will either be before our death for some reason or another, or it will be at it. But we all have firm expiration dates. But not Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry has no expiration date like that. He dies, he is risen, he ascends to heaven. And do you know how Luke begins the book of Acts? In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Isn't that interesting? You ever noticed that word before? I know we're always in a rush to get to chapter 1, verse 8, and talk about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. But have you noticed that little word began? Do you know what that means? It means Jesus is not through. He's not through. He continues to work by his Spirit. Romans 8, 9 calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. Jesus promises this Spirit will come and remind the apostles of all that he said and did, that the Spirit will lead them into all truth. It's the Spirit of Christ who convicts and speaks through the apostles and the church. So after Jesus ascends into heaven, his ministry of prophecy, of speaking, of revealing God, keeps on going. Listen to how Paul indicates this in Ephesians 2.17. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. This is right after he says that Christ has torn down the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile in the cross. And then there's no other person mentioned. But in verse 17, Paul says, he came and preached to you who were far off and you who were near. Well, how is it that Jesus came and preached to the Gentiles, the far off, and the Jews, the near ones, in Ephesus? He never went to Ephesus. How did he do it? By his spirit, through the apostle Paul. When Paul was preaching Christ, Christ was preaching Christ by his spirit. 
Look, even today, when preachers and teachers faithfully open the Bible and express what the Bible says as the Bible says it, Jesus speaks. This is why my study is so important. This is why if you teach others the Bible, your study is so important. What we're not doing is opening this up and saying, well, let me read this paragraph from Deuteronomy 18 and let's just all talk about what we think, just what we think. And then we just have a nice sharing time and we all say different things and then the leader says, That was really moving. I was really touched by all that you shared. Let's just pray and go home and we'll do it again next week. Friends, can I tell you, Jesus does not speak that way. The voice that you need to hear this morning is not my voice. It is the voice of Jesus. And that's why the messenger is dispensable but the message is indispensable. I will not be able to stand here forever. But Lord, help us that this will stand here until Jesus returns and that Jesus' voice is heard because Jesus is still speaking through his word. That's what we need. We need to echo what Peter said in John 6, don't we? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Our news channels do not have the words of eternal life. Our chat rooms and our Facebook messengers and our Snapchats do not have the words of eternal life. The feed that you read every morning does not have the words of eternal life. Beware of where you are sinking the time in your day because you will get words from somewhere. Will they be words that foster and fan into flame eternal life? Or will they focus your mind so much on this life that you think just changing things in this life is the big deal? It is 2022. And some of us are already rip-roaring, ready to, to, to presidential debate it up right now. And you will waste the next two years of your life thinking that the one who takes or does not take that office is the key to your hope and to peace and to human flourishing. He is not. Whether he is there now or whether he replaces the one who is there now. Jesus Christ has the words of eternal life. Stop wasting your time. Listen to the prophet. He's speaking. Be like Samuel. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. 
Let me give you one implication of this, all, those three, that Jesus' work as prophet started before he was born, he has greater authority, and it's still ongoing. Let me give you an implication because this is actually very relevant to what I've seen being tossed around uh, when speaking of ethical and moral issues that are at the forefront of our society right now. There are plenty of people today who are saying things like this. Well, Jesus never addressed that. Jesus never directly mentioned issue X or Y. So some people claim Jesus and Paul are just at odds with one another. Others insist that they will only accept the authority of the direct words of Jesus in the Gospels. This is being said right now. To say something like that is to misunderstand Jesus altogether because his prophetic work isn't limited to direct quotes from his earthly ministry. This was actually the problem of liberalism in the 20th century, that everything got reduced down to Jesus being a good teacher. That's the only thing, and that was what was so brilliant about what C.S. Lewis did when he basically said, eh, eh, that's out of bounds. You cannot call Jesus a good teacher. He's either, he's either a lunatic, or he's lying to you, or he is who he says he is, and he is Lord. But you cannot just call him a good teacher. No good teacher makes these kinds of claims. But that's what was happening, and that's what is happening anytime we try to, you know, reduce the words of Jesus to only what in some editions of the Bible are written in red, right? Some Bibles just have Jesus' words written in red. The Spirit of Christ spoke before Jesus was born through the Old Testament. The Spirit of Christ speaks after Jesus is ascended through the apostles. So, friends, Jesus isn't at odds with the Old Testament. He's not at odds with Paul or any other biblical writer. All of those words were inspired by his spirit. They all ring with his voice. So remember that when your friend says to you, well, I only look at the words of Jesus. You have to, you have to it, this isn't like a ploy. You just have to understand what the Bible is and how the Bible came to be and whose spirit it is that inspired this Bible. Now, if I could add one more, I would say that in about a month, several of you are going to restart your Bible reading plans. And you're going to come to that territory where you're wondering if that's actually relevant at all. And all I would say is, the Spirit of Christ spoke those words. So yes, it may be something that was only happening in Israel and it doesn't carry into the new covenant, yes. But it all points to Jesus. And Jesus, through it, is pointing us to himself why? Not because he's an egomaniac, but because he's the only hope of the world. If you're going to be saved, you'll only be saved through Jesus. So let the Bible carry you to him. And not to any number of other things that we might use it for. The last thing that makes Jesus' work as prophet superior is that Jesus both speaks and fulfills his prophecy. Prophecy. 
No other prophet does that. They can't. In many ways, the prophets of the Old Testament didn't really even fully understand what they were writing. They didn't have the full picture. But 2 Corinthians 1 tells us that all of the promises of God are yes in Christ. And so Jesus speaks through the prophets for telling his coming, his death, and his resurrection. And then he came and he died and he was raised again. And he did exactly what he claimed to do. He said through Isaiah, as a sheep before its shearers is silent. And then as they beat him and they mocked him and they carried, carried him away, he went as a lamb led to the slaughter. And when they reviled him, he did not revile in return. He didn't lash out. You see, what he said would happen, happened. It came to pass, which makes him the true prophet. If Jesus' words are at odds with any other human being that calls them calls themselves a prophet, there can only be only one of those two can stand in the end. You can't say, well, you know, Jesus is a true prophet, but also Muhammad is a true prophet. You can't do that. You cannot do that. That is out of bounds. You cannot say Joseph Smith was a true prophet. You can't. You either have to set Jesus aside or set everyone else aside. He is the true prophet. And in the end, he's not just the promised prophet of Deuteronomy 18. He's the one that every prophet predicts because he is the promised Savior. Listen to some of his teaching in John 3. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, and whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You see, like every other prophet before him, Jesus speaks of both judgment and salvation. But unlike every prophet before him, Jesus does something about the judgment. He takes the judgment on himself so that we can have God's salvation. And I wonder as you hear that, can you hear the prophet speaking? Can you hear the true prophet saying, he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but through him to save it? Do you hear him say that if you believe in him, you are not condemned? Do you hear him saying that if you do not believe, it's not a matter of going to find your own religion. If you do not believe the words of this prophet, if you do not believe in him, if you are not trusting him personally, you're condemned where you sit. Do you hear that? If you hear it, and according to the prophet, you sit condemned already. 
that can change today. If you will hear him and obey his word and come to him by faith. That was his invitation, wasn't it? Come to me, all who are weary, and he'll give you rest for your soul. You won't find it anywhere else, friend. All of it can change if you will listen to the promised prophet, Jesus, and come to the promised Savior, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come before you thankful that you are a speaking God, that you have not left us on our own to try to figure out who you are because we would never figure it out, because no one understands, no one seeks God. But Lord, we thank you that you have sought us out and you have spoken. We thank you for sending Jesus, for fulfilling your promise promise that the spirit of Christ inspired that he would come and that if we would listen to him if we would listen to his message we would find forgiveness if we wouldn't that you would require it of us Lord I pray that we will hear the words of Jesus this morning and that we will heed the words of Jesus this morning. Make us a people who are committed more and more to your voice, your words, in your written word. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing the doxology as we are dismissed.